You're listening to The Crunch with Cam Slater. Right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Rachel Stewart is a falconer, protector of rivers, climate change warrior, opinionated troublemaker, cancelled lesbian, and a staunch defender of women's rights. We're going to take a look at the various campaigns and get her opinion of the winners, the losers, and discuss where to from here. She joins me now. Welcome to The Crunch. After I interviewed you on breakfast, I thought it'd be fantastic to have you back on. And let's do a post-mortem of what I think is a pretty exciting election. Yes. Oh, it was. Like, uh, I'm just still coming down, and I'm sure you are too. It was it was a once-in-a-lifetime election. I don't think we'll see another one quite like that for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's huge if you look at the numbers. I mean, uh, Labour has lost half of their electorates. You know, some of those, they were only going to have them temporarily, but uh, it's a massive swing. They've lost nearly 50% of their vote. Hmm. Uh, you know, everyone talks about 1990 being a, um, you know, a huge election. Uh, the swing in the 1990 election was 12%. Hmm. The swing in this election is closer to 50%. Yeah. And it's only because of the vagaries of MMP that they're going to have, uh, you know, 33 MPs when they really should have 16. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yep. it, it was a bloodbath. I can't, don't think you can describe it any other way. And uh, Labour, I think, had misread the feel of the electorate. What do you think about that? Oh, without a doubt. But, you know, probably misread it less than the media did. Uh, I've been pretty pretty surprised to see some of the comments from Tover O'Brien and Paula Penfold. I mean, Tover O'Brien made some comment along the lines of uh, who could hand on heart stand by the grave of a dearly departed loved one and say that they saw this coming. Yeah, well, I, I can. I think I can. But I just don't think the people in the bubble did. And it's been quite incredible to watch. But I also noticed it's day two since the election, day three since the election, they're starting to walk some of this stuff back. Um, but I've never seen a fourth estate so ridiculously out of touch. No, they're bent. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, they are bent. You know, they're a lock for the left and the hard left, most of them. We've got yep. surveys of journalists. They've told us the truth in their surveys. They've told us that 78% of them are, uh, are left-wing or very left-wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you, you're right. I mean, how could I mean, how could Tover O'Brien even say that? But the most bizarre one was Dita Deboni from NBR. Oh, yes, yes. You know, yes. quite crazy, quite... Uh, um, defamatory, actually, in some of the statements she was making, saying there was big amounts of foreign money that bought this election. I watched it. I couldn't quite believe it. I thought, wow, man, you, you, you've you been drinking something in that green room. But um, she was on the verge of tears. I mean, yeah. this was a journalist that works for NBR. She's such a left-wing shill that I just, I'm amazed she does work for NBR. I can't kind of figure that one out. But it was quite embarrassing to watch, and I wonder if she's going to look back on that and think, you know, so they're living in bubbles, these people, and, and hers was defamatory. To think that there's some some connection between the money donated to the particular party and an election win is a bit of a... I don't think anyone thinks about that when they're voting. Um, it doesn't take lots of money to be really good at social media, which National was. Um, it doesn't take a lot of money to 
just, uh, well, the electorate wanted change, you know, that's it, bottom line. On uh, election night, uh, Morris Williamson was uh, doing some stuff for Reality Check Radio for our webinar, and he made the comment that uh, Labour lost Auckland badly, and and he, he couldn't work it out. And I said, well, Morris, you were overseas at the time mm. um, when that happened, so you actually don't understand what went on here. Mm. Where we were, uh, we were locked down. We were locked up for months and months on end, and it was all designed to push the vaccines as hard as they could on everybody, especially in Auckland, where the numbers were were a little bit behind the rest of the country. Mm. And for those three or four months that they kept us locked down in two th- in twenty twenty one, that was the beginning of the end for the government particularly Auckland. And you just have to walk around, uh, you know, I live in Takapuna, so you walk around there, the shops, so there's still empty shops. Um, yes. You know, small business was hollowed out and destroyed by this government because of their lockdowns, and it was also unnecessary. Yes, it was. I totally agree. Um, the mandates were a terrible idea. Um, the lies that have come out, uh, the, you know, vaccine exemptions for the Ministry of Health, 11,000 odd, and five, yeah. Um, I don't know what they think we were doing um, when we were all locked down. I mean, I don't live in Auckland, but we certainly watched you guys and thought, "Wow, how long can they stand?" I mean, yes, we got locked down, but you had how many weeks was it? Something like seventeen, or it was like th- it was like three months. You was know, it three yeah. or four months? It was a long time, and it dragged. You know, to be fair. I wasn't the kind of person to be locked down. You know, I was out driving around, going and having lunch with my mates. Uh, you know, they talked about bubbles. Well, my bubble would have been hundreds of people. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but the I, thing, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. And, but, but, we but that's what people did because, you know, it was ridiculous. Yeah, Absolutely it was, ridiculous. You it know? was inhuman. It was inhuman and, and they paid the price. And you just wonder why they did it when the rest well, of the world was not carrying on like we were. You have to wonder to yourself why. Well, I think they just got drunk on power. I think they got a kick out of stomping on our rights, yeah. you know. And and if you look at the gaslighting that's gone on since, you know, Christopher Hipkins saying that no one was uh, no one was forced to take the vaccine. Well, that was just a lie. Yeah, he just you lost know. about ten thousand votes right there. Yeah, and then and then in the, you know in the last debate, uh, they said, "Is there anything you do different?" And he said, "Oh, I think I would have done MIQ differently." Oh. Well, well, you know, Morris Williamson explained that this, uh, on Monday morning on on the uh, political panel with me and and Paul Brennan. He said I actually wrote a program that would allow MIQ to be done very quickly, and you know, and I was told go away. I don't mm. don't we don't want your code. We're going to do what we're going to do. So I don't think he actually would have done it differently. I mean, and, it, yeah. and that's what everybody forgets. Chris uh, Hipkins was the minister in charge of education. Mm. Mm-hmm. And look at our education statistics. He mm. was the minister of police for a while. Look at our crime statistics. Mm-hmm. And he was the COVID minister. Mm. And now he's gaslighting us thinking to say that, well, you know, it wasn't him. Mm. Well, that's that's bullshit. You know, he was brutal, but, actually, in all of those roles. He was yeah. far more brutal as having those portfolios than he was as prime minister. So I didn't forget, and I'm sure most people didn't. No, well, they we, didn't. and we and we rinsed them. 
Mm. And, uh, and, and, you know, I had a chat with Winston on election night. I had my interview. And then after that, I asked him a couple more questions, you know, off the record. Uh, it was a, a, you know, an interesting chat. And I, and I have the distinct impression that he has some unfinished business with some Utu for the Labour Party. Um, he was quite strident and quite strong in what he was saying. And mm. he sees the pathway for that is this COVID inquiry because because he believes that the truth will come out. And when the truth comes out, he doesn't believe Labour will get in for at least 10 to 12 years. Yeah, and I agree. In fact, I I think even now without that COVID inquiry, they'd they'd be lucky to get in another 10 or 12 years. You know, it just, uh, they just, this is the end of the Labour Party for quite a long time. And I think it's thoroughly deserved. Yeah, I saw an article that Chris Trotter wrote saying, what do they even stand for anymore? They certainly don't seem to stand for the working class. No, that is the big, that for me was one of the biggest issues. I, They have left them behind to such an unbelievable extent that, just like the Democrats in America, um, no wonder Trump does so well. Mm. Uh, when you leave the working class behind, you've, you've, you've kind of, the people that keep the country running, the people that have, you know, backed you for decades, then you're you're really dicing with death. And I don't even think that that was a that was a thing that they were really cognizant of doing. They just went ahead and looked after the managerial elites and the wokies and the middle class. And uh, that that's cost them. And they're gonna have to have a real big think about that. The working class have now pretty much either gone to Winston or National. Um National probably obviously more because they because suddenly they they're there for the working class in a way that Labor wasn't. Yeah, I mean it, you know, it's huge the change. I mean we've seen it in the United States, and so we shouldn't have been surprised to see it happen here. No, and um, it, but it it looked like a real surprise mainly to the media uh, mm. and and to Labor. Uh, the Greens, of course, think that they've done a fantastic campaign. <laughs> Yeah, um, they don't actually don't actually realise that probably half of their support this election is because Labor was so crap, yep. and uh, so the hard left voted for the Greens, and that'll be a, a fleeting high point, I think, in the Greens. Um, yes, because they'll stuff it up somewhere along the line too, and uh, um, James Shaw will be, I believe, will be gone. He he won't get rolled. He's just going to leave at some point soon. Um, that's pretty clear to me. I don't know what you think, but he's off. Well, Matt McCartan uh, had an interesting point of view. He said that with winning three electorate seats, that will be permanent. Uh, he doesn't believe that Labor will win those back or National will win those back. Right. And he believes that when you've got an electorate seat, you lose the crazy because yeah. uh, there are constituents who will shout at you, if you do anything crazy, and they will become then a calming influence on the Greens. Now, that remains to be seen. Uh, yes. I, I don't actually believe it because I think they're all crazy. Yes. I, mean, I do too. <laughs> and, you know, here's the, here's the funny thing, um, Rachel. You know, you're a hunter, a, a farmer. You live in, in, in rural New Zealand. I'm a hunter. We should be green voters, really, you mm-hmm. know, for the environment. Mm-hmm. You, you've... You know, yeah. you've uh, fought uh, federated farmers and 
dairying and all of these sorts of things around the environment, your you know, environmental credentials are impeccable. Yeah, we That's should a, be yeah. natural green voters, but we never. just never. We just, yeah, we just don't fit into that. I've never. had this discussion with James Shaw, and he just laughed at me. And I said, "Well, well why not? What? Why? Why won't you appeal to the middle New Zealand instead of the hard left? You get more votes." Mm. I often reflect on this, um, and a lot of people over these have assumed that I'm a green supporter. Never voted for them. Mm. Never will in this incarnation. But I'm a great believer in fresh water, and I do worry about Deering's impact on that. But a few years ago, I decided to just pull my head in and shut up about it, because what I was, I'd done my dash, I'd, I'd raised the issues. I think there is too much Deering in New Zealand, and I think there's still a lot of work to do. Mm. But what I realised is the world is spiralling in a way that we've never really seen before. Is that the green? Well, first of all, the Green Party is not the, the the portal that I want to walk through to make those things happen. Mm. But second of all, picking on farmers at a time with COVID and all of that was, was something I had to stop doing. Um, and also they're my tribe, you know, in the end, they're my tribe. And some of them are greener than anybody that I know living in downtown Auckland or yeah. downtown Palmerston North or Whanganui. Um, so that wasn't the vehicle for me and it's still not the vehicle for me. You know, and I think Nationals' policies on freshwater aren't too bad. I've had a bit of a look at them in the last day or so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've changed on that score. I think when times are tough, you've got to keep your country going, and that means supporting whatever makes money. And unfortunately, that is daring. Or fortunately, yeah. mm. I mean, it's, it's the one thing we've got uh, to always fall back on in New Zealand, even when mm. times are tough. Mm. Uh, the world needs to eat, uh, and they need our products. That we that you know we make the finest products that come yep. off the farm in the world. Uh, yes, but. You know, the, there are greater things that we need to also look at. And, uh, and you know, our manufacturing base in New Zealand has been hollowed out by 30 years plus of neoliberalism. Yes. Um, and globalism uh, hasn't helped us one little bit in that uh, in that point. And, you know, whilst you, you think you should be a green voter and you can't bring yourself to be that, uh, you know, I used to be a national supporter, but I can't bring myself to support national anymore because no. they're globalist in their outlook in every regard. Absolutely. And, and and when these these parties are using are not using certain terms like, I don't know, WHO, WEF, you just think to yourself, Winston Winston was doing that. So I kind of gravitated there at least. I mean, the world has changed. The world has changed, right? Oh yeah. But these so these parties haven't really changed with it, and uh, so Winston was a good option for a lot of people, and uh, that's where I felt more at home this election because, like he said in the interview with you, you know we need a watchdog, and I don't know a better pit bull watchdog than Winston. So, yeah. you know we needed that. I'm so glad he's there. I'm so glad this has worked. He's going to be, and I can't see that um, being any different. I, I think uh, when the specials come in, I Labor's going to get a couple more probably, but. National might lose a couple, but he's going to—they're going to have to be talking to him. We know that, and, yeah, I, and I think that this is good. Absolutely, going to talk to him. You know, I was—I was sitting with him on on uh, Saturday night, and uh, you know, everyone around was losing their their stuff, and he was sitting there with a big grin on his face. And uh, you know, we went outside and had a cigar and uh, and a chat. And mm -hmm. uh, he said, "You watch Cam. You watch these numbers, right?" Luxon's come out. He's on nearly 41%. He's claimed victory. 
you watch those numbers, they're going to drop down into the 38s by the end of the night. And, you know, we sat there and we watched it, we recycled it, and I was saying, you called it Winston, you know. He says, I'll make sure my phone's off. I'm going to wait till they have to call me. And, uh, you know, we saw all of the the grandstanding on Saturday night, uh, and then we started to see the walking back on Sunday, and then on Monday, it looks like Chris Bishop and some of the brains trust of the National Party woke up and thought, we better get a calculator here and actually start doing some arithmetic. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and, 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 you know, then panic set in. And, you know, I, I know that from the back channels, from what I'm hearing, uh, they're sitting there thinking, okay, we're not going to get there with just National Enact. We are going to lose at least one seat. The Maori mm. Party looks like they're going to pick up another two seats. Mm. and create an overhang and 61 mm. out of 123 ain't enough. Yeah. And so all of a sudden Winston once again is in the driving seat and I hope he drives a very hard bargain and I hope he does get that covid inquiry. So do I. And is it why I, I got to say and I mean I'm sure you agree. He taught them a salutary lesson in how to do politics. He taught them about campaign. They should take a leaf out of that man's book about how to campaign. His yeah. ads were fantastic. Um, the Rudyard Kipling oh, poem was, was dynamite. It just played into everything I wanted to hear. It was just fantastic. I he just he showed them how to do it. Now people say oh, he's a populist. So that's how you win elections, man. That's how you do it. <laughs> exactly. You know. Uh, so yeah. I'm very I'm very happy that Winston's there. He was gracious on the night. Mm. He made the right comments. Christopher Luxon was gracious in return. To be fair, yep. Uh, Luxon does seem to me, to my eye, to be, I mean, it's a long way to go, but he seems fairly sensible um, and reasonably kind. Um, and I hate using the word kind because we all know you used to oh, use no, that. We hate that, don't we? Yeah. We hate that word. Sorry, he seems very warm in a way. So I, I think it's going to be an interesting three years for sure. And I'm so glad Winston's there. I just, I, I couldn't sleep for, for, for being overjoyed about that result. I mean, you know, coming back from getting bundled out in 2020. Mm-hmm. This is the second time he's come back. It's it's just incredible, really, when you think about it. Yes. Like he said, he's done the, they've done the impossible. But he was helped by stupidity from, mm. uh, first of all, the ACT Party and yes. then the Labour Party attacking him. Uh, and then finally Chris Bishop having a panicked moment the Monday before the election talking about second elections and nonsense like that. Yeah. It was who, who else had a good campaign, do you think? Well, I think individuals had some good campaigns. Um, well, National pretty much had a – well, I mean, what well, National I did – I can't well, say they did because – No, I don't. This I was the that. worst government ever, and yeah. they couldn't get over 40%. Yeah, pretty – well, what did it end up on, 30? 38-something, but it'll come back a little bit on that. Yeah. But, but, I mean, John Key was consistently over 40%. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you so know. they're not – so the, the electorate's changing. I will say that they had a, they had a safe – Except for the brain farting of of you know the second election stuff, which was clearly undemocratic and just a dumb thing to say. Yeah. Um, but I think that they what they did quite well was just not talk about lots of things and keep their head down. I mean that was evident when when something dear to my own heart when when Luxon was asked about you know men and women's toilets and he said, "What you're joking? This is an election issue." Well, a he doesn't realise that it bloody well is. And B, he just wasn't going to go anywhere near anything contentious. He kind of just kept his head down knowing that he could win that way. 
So I guess in that sense they had a good campaign. But yeah, individuals. Yeah. It, was, it was small target stuff, wasn't it? And it make was. itself a small target. Uh, make a pitch to the electorate that you'll be just like Labor but more efficient. Mm. Um yeah. uh and and don't scare the horses, which is how John Key got elected in two thousand and eight. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yes, but, you're right. It wasn't a great anyone else? Well, I think the Maori Ma- Party, Te Party Maori had a great campaign because they we didn't <laughs> see it, right? No, we you know, we didn't yes. see it because yeah. we're in the general, we're looking for at the global perspective for, for yeah. New Zealand, right? They, they had a very targeted campaign to get rid of Labour out of the Maori electorates. And you have to say it was successful. They're sitting on four. They think they're going to get six. Yeah. And, and you know, I think they'll get five. Six might be a push, but you never know. But, yeah. you know, uh, talking with uh, Matt McCartan, he thinks they're going to get those other two. Does he? And, and, and that will take out uh, Kelvin Davis although he'll still be on the list, but he, he won't have the mana of having an electorate. And it'll take out Pena Henare as well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. That's a famous name, that surname. Yes, and, it is. And if he like, gets, like Mahuta is a very famous name. Exactly. I mean, taking yeah. out, out Nanaya Mahuta, the, yeah. the architect of the co-governance divisive policies that they brought in, taken mm. out by, yes. by the Maori Party. Yeah. So yeah, you I have was to a, say they had a good yeah, campaign. Was. I was disappointed with the um, the coverage of uh, Hana. Is it Hana? And yeah, and, yeah, who beat uh, Mahuta? I was disappointed in in that very weird stuff about you know the man going to the house and he got a very you know, strange. Got a, that was very strange, and I didn't enjoy that. And I felt that that was a complete ploy. It just oh. felt that way. There weren't enough details, so that disappointed me. But you know, look, it seems to have worked. But um, yeah, they did it, run a good campaign. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one that you raised because I, I suspect, even though they tried to blame the National Party, I suspect it was actually Labour people that were harassing you. Yeah. Uh, just because I know that's how the way they play. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and um, it was rather shabby the way the, the Party Maori put that out into the media. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was a little bit dirty. Yeah. Um. But has anybody else had a good campaign? I don't think they have. I don't think David Seymour had a good campaign. Oh, terrible. I just I was watching him a lot and I kept thinking, something's happened to you. There's something going on. And he just kept, and I was at the hairdressers this morning, as you do. And I was talking to the girls there and you find some interesting things out at the hairdressers. And, Always. And they were saying, oh, that David Seymour's a bit of a, well, actually, Dick was the word they used. And I said, yeah, he had a terrible campaign. They said, yeah, he just shot himself in the foot every five seconds. And of course, the worst thing he did, and he looked terrible. He just looked down and dowdy and not right. Um, but he, the worst thing he did was saying he wouldn't work with Winston. What a dumb move that was, and a rookie's mistake, really, early well, on. I mean, how does he? How do you think he's feeling right now? Because you know, in the last uh, leaders' debate that he was in with Winston, he was asked, "Do you trust Winston Peters?" And he said, "No." Very quickly, he said, "No." Yeah. But yeah. everyone who's ever worked with Winston Peters. Jim Bolger, uh, John Key even said um, you, you can trust Winston Peters. Matt McCartan says you can trust Winston Peters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helen Clark said you can trust Winston Peters. But here's David Seymour. He's never worked with Winston in his life. Has spent mm-hmm. his entire parliamentary career attacking and slaying and and sledging Winston Peters. Here he is saying no, and the voters have said, "Well, David, you might not trust him, but you're going to have to work with him." Yep. 
and that was beautiful. And that's that's why people pro- used it as a protest vote, and it was the, it was there for the taking. And I think uh, I think David Seymour is dedicated to being, you know, a prime minister or a deputy prime minister. He's dedicated to that, and that's probably what he's going to be, deputy prime minister. But in the process, you just don't do what he did. It was just stupid. But he's he wants to be in power and have lots of power, and that that that's why I wanted Winston there. It's unbecoming when you see politicians so obviously seeking power mm. like that. Mm. Uh, it's unedifying, uh, and it clearly shows that they're in politics for themselves and not for us. Yes. And speaking of that, I did you notice the clip of Dan Rosewarn, Rosewarn who <laughs> I'd never heard of before, but now I'm never going to forget the guy. The Corey Club membership. He says, oh, you know you're out of power when you go to the Coro Club and, and uh, your membership's been cancelled. <laughs> you go from champagne to lemonade. Oh, <laughs> what a stupid thing to say. I mean, I, I doubt that overnight their Coro Club was cancelled, but whatever. I, I don't even know. But it was just a stupid oh, thing to say. They're pretty efficient, the people Are in they? Yeah. <laughs> in you're yeah. in, you're not. <laughs> you see, yeah. And Jane Tanetti gets, she's still on the list, of course, but I, I consider her one of the worst MPs I've ever seen and yeah. so not capable. It's unbelievable. She's incapable, really. Um, standing there, coming through the Tauranga Airport, hey, saying, it's, it's a, a relief. relief. Yeah, It's a relief. Well, that's how much you care about education, sister. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the trouble when you get union hacks into positions rather than people who have any experience. But you, you used a, lot, uh, a word there, incapable. Hmm. That is probably the best word to describe the Ardern Hipkins government, isn't it? Incapable. They were incapable of building houses. Yes. They were incapable of planting trees. They were incapable of solving child poverty. They were incapable of building even one millimetre of rail track to Auckland Airport. Mm -hmm. These were all of their huge policies that they announced in 2017 that they were going to deliver, was going to be transformative. It was all just bumper sticker slogans, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And, you know, in a normal world, in a normal world, which we're not in, but in a normal world, a government that announces in 2017 that they're going to build 100,000 houses, Mm. and then we get to 2020, they'd be out on their ass. But no... Jacinda kept us safe, so we voted for her. I don't find many people who admit to doing that who are national voters. I'm sure I'm surrounded by a lot of them, Mm. but they don't admit to it because Jacinda kept us safe. Well, really? And she should have been, that government should have been out on its ear then just for that alone. Yeah. When they built what? I think in that time they ended up in that three-year period built 1,400. I think that might be too many. I'm not sure. But it wasn't much. On election night, Chris Hipkins was saying that, you know, they've done some stunning things in government. They've managed to build 13,000 homes. And not a single journalist said, well, hang on a second, um, aren't you 87,000 houses short of the 100,000? Yeah. You know? I know. They just didn't. So it was, I just feel that six years that is now, thank the Lord, over. Mm. Um I feel that the ego and the hubris and mixed with the woke. And the incompetence. Sort of, and the incompetence and the incapability and the, the lack of depth on that bench of Labour where there was then, no one to fill the positions. And then Kerry Allen's, you know, major misstep was just summed it up to me 
fantastically. I just couldn't stop laughing about that. And it would just, it just, it, how they lasted six years, how they got in a sec- second time. Well, we do know how, but yeah, it, to me, it's just a nightmare that's finally that chapter's over. I'm not saying that the next one can't be nightmarish. I'm sure that we'll get delivered a whole. I mean, there's going to be some shocks when they open the books properly. Yeah, that's what it's I not going to be what's. It's not going to be what was presented in the preview. No. So, um, I just glad this chapter is closed. You know, I look back on the end of the Muldoon years. I remember those quite clearly. There were a lot of National Party people that voted to get rid of Muldoon. Uh, they were dancing on his grave, literally. You know, there was yes. even jo- jokes were being made by cabinet ministers later when he subsequently passed away that um, they were going to go and make sure that there was a stake through his heart so he could never come back. That's how deeply despised that he was. Mm. Uh, we saw then, of course, uh, the uh, Longy government, which was deeply despised as well, and we ended up with Jim Bolger, and he sort of ignominiously slipped out the back door in, in 1999, and we ended up with Helen Clark. And you know, boy, we celebrated when she went in two thousand and eight. But you know, but but you know what? She wasn't anywhere near as bad no. as this lot. No. I mean, I, I mean, I, I thought that I could see good things in every politician that I've met over the years, but I failed to see any good things in Jacinda Ardern. Yes, I read your classic column. I thought that was priceless about how you thought she was. Yeah, evil. I think evil. You didn't hold back, but you know. That was the first column of yours that I'd read. Oh, the first thing I'd read of yours for years. Mm. And I remember reading it and going, wow, yeah, yeah, he's right. What's happened to Cam? Wow, this is amazing. <laughs> it was, And it was so well written. And I don't think there were many people that didn't, well, certainly not many people around me that disagreed with it. I thought it was very powerful. Well, that, and, ar- that article's been read 500,000 times. Yeah. It's funny how I've, the world loves her. Hey, it's funny how the world loves her. But well, they haven't lived with her. Sorry? They haven't lived with her. <laughs> no, they haven't lived you know? with her. That's right. Now, there's a reason why she's living overseas now. Like, she can't come back here. Um, no. You know, I, I mean, I talked to uh, Max Bradford at the end of the Bulger years, and he said we knew we were going to lose then because as you walk down the street down Lambton Quay, people would, uh, wouldn't stop and talk to you. They'd just keep on walking, and you found you became increasingly isolated. Uh, your phone would be ringing less and all of those sorts of things. And mm. uh, you can always tell when you're on the way out uh, because mm. of that. And, and I've always remembered that line that he said. And then I, I thought to myself, imagine how many people ring Jacinda Ardern's phone. It's got to be almost nobody. Yeah. Must be. Yeah. She and must I'm be thinking- at Harvard just like rubbing her hands together, just thinking, like, how can I destroy New Zealand further with, with destroying free speech? I mean, I mean, you it's, know, last minute she came out and, you know, put on TikTok or whatever it was, Instagram or whatever she does, saying, oh, you know, oh, please vote for Chris Hipkins. He's a good man. I thought that's the final nail in the coffin. That's going to yeah. seal their fate. I thought having, that was having her was dumb. Yeah. They should never have used it. They should have actually, like, made her persona non grata. I mean, they tried, but. Mm but they keep being caught. I mean, it, they rolled out Helen Clark, but you know what? I actually respect Helen Clark. Oh, well, Helen Clark's got a brain. Well, an ability. An ability. Oh, no, really? I, she had a finger in every pie. She knew like, what, exactly what was going on, eh? Yeah, I mean, 
I don't agree with her politics. No. Uh, I don't think she did anything spectacular with her time in office. In fact, the thing that she did that was most spectacular in her time in office was uniting the Labour Party and all the different factions and keeping them under control. Mm. But but there's no signature thing that she did that I can recall. No. And the same no. is with John Key. There's nothing huge that he did. No. He, he was a competent manager of, of the status quo. Yeah. He didn't change anything. No, he kept uh, them tight. He kept yeah. them very tight. Yeah. But, but see, Jacinda Ardern came to New Zealand politics uh, with a whole lot of headline things that they were going to do and then didn't do any of them. No. And so her record really has to be one of the worst prime ministers in New Zealand's history. I'd, I'd have to say. I, I mean, I, I can't really think of anything either. I mean, at least when we talk about Winnie, because someone said to me the other day, oh, Winnie, what's he ever done? And they were youngish. And I said, well, have you heard of the gold card? Because, you know, mm. that's a pretty good thing. And they're going, what's that? You know, they might have been in their 40s. I said, well, you know, you'll find out probably one day if you're lucky yeah. what he did. And, you know, we all have that in the wine box. And there are various things that we can refer to that he's achieved. And he wasn't, he's never been a prime minister. No. And he's achieved yeah. huge things um, yes. that he's achieved. Uh, and if 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 even a fraction of the MPs that have been through Parliament had achieved as much as Winston Peters has achieved, mm. uh, we'd be in a much better place. Yeah. So will. so I hope that Christopher Luxon does uh, get some sensible people around him that says, right, let's sit down and talk. And and you know what? I, I don't think David Seymour will get Deputy Prime Minister. Don't you? I think that Christopher Luxon will want someone who is wise and been around for a while to be his deputy, not someone who's prone to silly mistakes. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting because he's going to fight for that. I'm pretty sure that's what he's going to go for. Well, you know, we'll see. the thing is, is that he painted himself into a corner. He said he can't work with Winston Peters and won't work with Winston Peters. Mm. But where else is he going to go? Mm. Is, he, is he really going to sit on the cross benches and hold everyone to ransom? Well, that's a recipe for being destroyed at the next election. Yeah. So if he wants to pull that trigger, I'm saying going right ahead. Winston will yeah. be laughing and thinking, yeah. well, I'm going to get all your votes because no yeah. one's going to trust you. Yeah, he's a bit of a weak link, actually, and, and Winston will be target. It will be watching him like a bird of prey. <laughs> Well, you it know, about, it's an interesting yeah, thing about you. Not many people know about uh, uh, Rachel is that you uh, uh into falconry. Yes, I this am. Is yeah. To divert from politics for a little bit because I'm interested in that. Yeah, um, go for it. How many people are into falconry in New Zealand? I, mean, I think there's nine of us with permits. Right, nine. Um, and I know pretty much most of them. Department of Conservation are making things pretty difficult, and. It got legalised a few years ago, but we'll see if they change their mind again. But at the moment, nine, you know. Um, but in America, say, it's completely legal, set to stringent standards, and so I prefer to do a hell of a lot of it over there. All right. Yeah, so I go over there most years, but not the last few. But it's a fascinating sport, Cam, and I'd love to take you out sometime and we can chase a rabbit around and, and uh, see what these birds do naturally with or without us. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, look, I'd, I'll take you up on that opportunity. You know, I think that's uh, th that's the thing I've always admired about you is uh, is 
that little quirk, you know, that cool thing that you do. Like I'm just sitting there going, when somebody said to me, oh, bloody Rachel Stewart. Yeah, they she all said, did it. She said this on that. I said, yeah, but she, but she hunts with hawks. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so I'm absolved from anything I've ever said. Yes, a lot of people dislike me intensely, and I know. Well, and, too bad. Lots of people dislike me intensely. Yeah, but you're right. You're I right. Don't care. You're right. I don't care. <laughs> no, and I don't care. I've got to the point where I don't care. But as an aside, just off falconry too, but back to politics. I don't know if you know this, Ken, but and I don't talk about it as many people because it's so long ago, but in 1987 I stood for the Labour Party in the then Waitotara electorate. Oh, yes. The old, and Ven Young was the ben safest Young, name, yeah. yes. And ben, uh, jowly old Ven Young. But... Yeah, old, old Ven and I campaigned out of Haurara, but, but it was my home electorate because in those days it was right around rural Wanganui. That's Audrey and, Young's dad. That's right. Mm. And um, I lost, but got second uh, to a guy. I can't remember his name, but he was a Demo- he was a Democrat. Usually in in Waitotara, that safe national seat, mm. Democrats got second. But I got second this time, and he got. And I was train driving at the time. I was a train driver, and I was rolling through those areas a lot. But I took six weeks off because in those days you got you got full pay to campaign. Yeah. And um, anyway, I lost, but I didn't lose ridiculously badly. I think I did better than any other candidate before in the Labour Party. And that night when you went to concede, I went to the Harbour RSA or maybe the Cosy, I can't be one of those clubs, mm. to see Ben. And I walked in and he, he pulls me over and everyone's very kind and nice. And mm. I sit down with him and he get, pours me a beer and he said, you know what's funny, Rachel? He said, you know, I've always wanted to be a train driver, but you want to be a politician. And, you know, what a nice guy. He was, Ben yeah. Young was a great guy, actually. Yeah, yeah. And um, the, the reason I did that at 24 years of age was because, um, you know, this is how naive you are when you're young. Mm-hmm. Um, the nuclear-free policy I liked. Yeah. And Longy was, and, and, and these guys, you know, the Roger Douglas era was very much about picking up that neoliberal ball and running with it. And I thought that was the direction we should be going in and taking the subsidies off farmers. And mm-hmm. my father was not happy about me supporting that. But anyway... But anyway, it was a good experience. And then I thought, they said, well, you get Wanganui if you do this for us. Um, and then I thought at the end of that, I'm never going to do this again. This is horrible. And I could have had Wanganui and I could have been there. Jill Pettis ended up having it for years. Um, and now I just, the thought of voting Labour is the most horrible thought I can possibly imagine. Well, from a candidate to voting New Zealand first. Unbelievable. Never voted New Zealand first in my life. But look, I turned 60 um, in November last year. Uh, so oh, you, to... you don't look a day over 40, Rachel. Thank you, dear. Um, but what it gives you is a little bit of insight into, you know, as you know, as you age, you get a little bit of insight into the the, the politic. And, uh, yeah, it's if anyone had said to me even in 2017, in 2023, you'll be voting for Winston Peters, I would have said, you're joking. But yeah. the world is changing. And there was a logical, most intelligent vote, I think, from, for anyone to make. And I'm really glad that, that people like you and me could deliver him back. Yeah, I mean, you know, people people said that I was a, a lock for Winston, but you know what? I wasn't really. There's a lot of things I disagree with them on, but you know what I like like doing with Winston Peters is sitting down mm. and having a chat with him mm. and fighting my corner and having him, uh, you know, jab and joust and and argue particular things. And then the most satisfying thing of all of that is several months later, hearing him make a speech and making the same points that I was making to him, you know, just three or four months earlier. 
And that mm. tells me that he's a politician who's willing to listen. He's yeah. He wants to have a discussion so he can test ideas. And if they, if those ideas pass muster and and he goes and checks things out that that that's been said and support there's evidence supporting it, then he adopts that. And you know, I think that's what we should have in every politician that ability to not to be so doctrinaire or you know know it all. I mean, the Labor Party is appalling for this on, on being know it alls. You know, mm. it's our idea, so it's the best idea. And I've found in politics often the best ideas come out of left field. If only you'll listen to them. Well, I went and saw River of Freedom finally. It was in Wanganui last week. I saw it last Thursday night, just before the election. And I thought, oh, I hope they're going to show Winston walking. And there he was. And it was interesting. I was sitting in this packed house with many Maori, actually, everywhere. And they'd obviously been down to Wellington and they were watching. And they were saying, oh, there's Auntie. And there was lots of laughing. And then Jacinda came on and there was boo, instant kind of reactions yep. from everybody. And then when he came out and they were just like, yay, and it was just, it was great. It was, uh, and they showed him and he was asking the questions and I'm sure you've seen the film by now. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the film. Yeah, I went to the premiere of it. Oh, yeah, very good. I was very impressed and uh, it uh, made me think, yeah, I'll make it, I'm doing the right thing on Saturday. Um, he went and listened to the bloody people. That's what he did. And yeah, it, someone, some people tried to get him to make a speech and he said, I'm not here to talk, I'm here to listen. Yeah, and and you know he did that, but you know that I think that is probably one of the most important movies uh, that has been made in New Zealand in quite some time, because it shows how badly the media gaslit us all about yeah. the Wellington protest, and it showed a completely different side of this movement of people that had simply had enough hmm. nationwide and jumped in their cars and their trucks and their camper vans and whatever and drove to Wellington to make a point. Yeah. And I think and most of them, And most of them were Labour and Green voters. Yeah. Fascinating. Right. You know, and then and they stood them. there and arrogantly said, these people don't represent us. We're not going to talk to them. Yeah. That I was... mean, that's why I can't vote for the National Party. Because they were they were part and parcel of that. That's why I couldn't have voted for the ACT Party because they were part yep. and parcel of that. Same for me. Stood there and abused their citizens by refusing to listen to them. Yeah, same for me. I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to go national. I just couldn't do it. And uh, I've never voted ACT, and I wouldn't have certainly on the strength of this campaign. But. I just couldn't do it. I had to do something different. And that was that was because I watched New Zealanders, my our citizens, decent people being told they were throwing feces and I just found that appalling. And I remember talking up. sorry. It was all made up. I mean it was all made up. Do you remember yep. when they said, Oh, we've seen pitchforks in the hands of protesters mm. as weapons, so we're moving in the police? Well, you know, whenever the police raid a gang pad or um, you know, do a drug bust or everything. They they take photos and they line up all the guns and all the money and all the drugs and everything. They show and all the weapons that they find, everything. Even a crowbar will be in the photo, right? Yeah. Did we see any photos of what no. the police found after that? Not no. one. Did we see any pitchforks? No. No. It, it was, was disgusting. It was a disgusting display, and I I remember thinking, this is. I just couldn't believe what I was saying. I was. 
so disheartened in New Zealand and the police. I couldn't. Andrew Coster, I mean, I hope his days are gone. He's probably numbered, and I hope he is. Well, I'm hoping that Winston's got a list, uh, his Utu list of, <laughs> of, of civil servants and people that, that that should be rinsed. But I'm hoping that uh, Coster is at the top of that list or somewhere near the top of that list. Yeah, I think you'll be will be watching with interest and in seeing what happens. Yep. Mm. Mm. So, what's your overall impression then of the election, the campaign, and the results? It was different from anything I'd ever experienced before. Um, I think that would be true for a lot of New Zealanders. I, there wasn't much heart in it, apart from, like you say, the Maori Party and uh, and uh, Winston. Uh, when, uh, I always say Winston, but I should say New Zealand first, because yeah. one day he won't be here, and that's going to be a sad day. Um, I think it was it was like no other election I've ever seen. It was pretty election light. There wasn't a lot of commitment from a lot of politicians that should have been more committed. David, of course, Seymour was was disappointing. Um, I'm glad it's over. It was it was disjointed and kind of weird, really. It was a bit surreal, to be honest, the whole thing. Um, but election night made it all just go away and dissipate. And I felt better. You sound better. Yeah, I'm happier. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've got it, we've got rid of the tyranny. We have for now. We'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. But yes, it's like a and you you'll be feeling the same. This weight has just lifted off us, and uh, that's what Jan Tanetti said, of course, about her portfolio. But but for the voters, I think uh, it's a new day, and there's a lot of people feeling pretty good. I'm sure there's a lot a few, number of people feeling very bad, and oh, my heart bleeds for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, that weight you're talking about that's lifting off us, that that's the the press of the knee and the jackboot being lifted. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because I felt that very strongly, and I'm sure you did too. Oh, I absolutely. felt that very strongly. And I I, mean, I nicknamed Jacinda Jackboot Jacinda. Yeah. That was you know? awful. But she thinks she she was wonderful, you know, and did no wrong. I mean no the, wrong. The, the hubris, the arrogance, the well, it's actually narcissism, narcissistic yes, personality disorder. Yeah, and yeah. some of the supporters who who just love her no matter what she did. Oh, and she had a baby while she was, wow, so what? Anybody can have a baby. Apparently men can have them now anyway. Oh, so, apparently, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just thought, well, that's okay, great. That doesn't make her a star. It doesn't make her anything. It just means she had a baby while she was in office. Yeah, but it was all just done for headlines, and that, that's the most shameful thing of Jacinda Ardern's prime ministership. Mm. It was all done so that she could be the first at this, the first at that, the first to do this, the first. And in reality, she wasn't the first at anything. No. Nope. She didn't nope. even come first in the election except in 2020. You know, that's... in 2017, when she became prime minister, she was second. Yep, it's interesting during the election too, Cam, how much the national supporters on Twitter and when we expect that from that hell site, but really tried to get us to mistrust, distrust him. He's not to be trusted. That was just such a line. Yeah. So what I'm seeing happening now, and I hope we can take this into the future very clearly, is that so many people are awake to this media stuff now. Yeah. So many people now know that when they were dissing Winston trying to take take them out of the game, that it just emboldened a lot of people. It made us feel, right, you know, this is unfair, so keep doing it and we're just going to vote them in. Sure enough, what happened? 
Well, it's like the Labour Party with their picture of Winston Peters smiling on Christopher Luxon in his pocket. And when I saw that, I thought that's exactly what I want to vote for. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And yeah. Uh, it looks like that's going to come true. So uh, mm. it's going to be very interesting. Um, it is. It is. And I, I, I'll tell you what, I'm definitely going to take you up on your offer to come falconing with. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think that'll be. Why awesome. not? Well, you could, you ever come down this way, Cam? Uh, yeah, I do actually. A um, couple of uh, times a year I head down that way, usually going after goats and stuff like that, you know. What, up the river, the Wangani River? Uh, yeah, I've done that before, shooting them from a canoe. You know, it was a bit entertaining. <laughs> Good on you. Um, but, you we know, need your I, help. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in the in Taranaki, there's just thousands of goats. You know, yeah, there is. Everywhere. Everywhere. And, up the uh, river is, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I shot a wild bull once uh, not too many years ago, actually, where all that land is uh, that was given to the soldiers after World War One, and then they all walked off the land. It was oh. quite steep country up in there. Yeah. You know. By the bridge to nowhere. Yeah, yeah on, yeah, on that sort of paper road that's there. Yeah, Mangatapu. Mangatapuru, Mangapuru, I think Mangapuru. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's nobody there. They, they left. Yeah, yeah. There's nobody there, but the, but all the cattle are there, and they're yes. all feral. You know. And, yeah, they're all feral. Oh, yeah, they are very scary to be around. Those things like they come for you. They actually really? hunt. They actually hunt you. So, and that's so uh, you had to you had to shoot it. Basically. I had to shoot it. It was you know when I saw them and uh, I lined them up. Uh, he was at about 50 or 60 yards, and when I finally shot him, he was at 19 and coming towards me. So, Okay. You know, yeah, it was uh, my yeah. mate who was filming it. He said, hurry up, Cam, just shoot that thing. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, but, um, like a bear, like a bear. Beautiful country, but yeah. there's no way you could farm it. You know. No, and, I, and they should never have really gone up there. Uh, it is a beautiful I, I'm a Wanganu River girl, born and bred. That's where I hail from. Um, and I just love that area. It's my favorite place on earth. It's um, quite peaceful, especially around Jerusalem and places like that. You know, it's yeah. just so peaceful. And, uh, you know, that's that's my happy space is to be out in the bush or out, out in nature and, and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, living by my wits. And, and that's when I feel closer to God than anywhere else doing yeah. all of that sort of stuff. So, you yeah. know, people, people don't understand hunters. And, of course, before falconry, I... Hunted with guns all the time. Mm. Won't so much now, but hunting is maligned and misunderstood, and by urban people. And uh, it is to me, it's getting back to nature. You're aware of everything around you. It's life and death for these animals, and, and for us sometimes. But it's it is a wonderful pastime, and you know it feeds us too. Oh, that's right. I mean, you know that that bull that I shot. Um... We took two years to eat the meat out of there. I got over 500 kilos of meat. Wow. So, um, you know, yeah. it, it was magnificent. It was beautiful as well. Yes. You'll never get nothing... that at the supermarket. you never no, get that at the supermarket, man. I, I can't eat meat from the supermarket. I, I All the yeah. meat that I eat is meat that I've killed myself. So. Yeah, that's the way. That's the way. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's clean. It's green. It's uh, it's natural. There's no additives. There's no preservatives, nothing like that. It's just fantastic food. I wonder if I could start up a consulting business and um, or some sort of training business around here and ask the Greens supporters to come on hunting trips with me. I'd love, you know, do some falconry and come out and kill something in the bush and let's go and stay out there for a week. Boy, that would be good for them. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know how they'd cope with not having their soy lattes, but... Yeah, but, you know, we'd sort something out for them. Yeah, give them some baked beans or something like that for breakfast. Yeah, they'll they'll feel like steak by the end of it, but I'd just like to take some total urban people out and and, and show them what life really is about. This is life. That's that's real life. Well, that's the thing in the bush, you know. I, I mean, I talk about uh, some of the trips that I've had with people where it was really a close thing when I was like, you know, walking up this track and then I slipped and went into the river and Mm. the margins between life and death when you're in the bush are very, very Very. slim. Yep. And if you haven't got your wits about you, then you become a statistic. Yeah. And uh, that's what I like about it too, is that you're totally reliant on yourself and your own abilities. Yeah. I've done a lot in the States and of course, I've done a lot of hunting with friends in the States and we go to places like Wyoming and Texas and fal- not just falconry, but actually hunting. Mm. And, you know, there's always a bear or a rattlesnake to contend with. And I, part of me really enjoys that because that just makes me feel exhilarated. I never know what's going to happen, you know. I mean, yeah. we've got guns, so we're okay. But some, there's always something out there that can kill you in the States. <sighs> That's right, from taxi drivers on. Yes, and in, <laughs> but in New Zealand, the thing that kills you is falling down a bluff and breaking a leg and not being able to get out and no one knows where you are. And So, yeah, interesting. It's a, yeah, it's a closer to God thing. I think you're absolutely right. I couldn't put it in a better way. Yeah. Well, Rachel, it's been a, a real pleasure having you on my show this time rather than Paul's show. Yeah. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back a few more times. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Appreciate and, and maybe we should tee up some TV people to come and film us doing the, the falconry thing. That would be funny. Wouldn't it? People will just hate me even more or like me even better. Who knows? And oh, you. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> I think I think we could have some fun with that, but I'm certainly going to try and do that in, in the next year. Well, let's just pencil in somewhere in the next year. We'll try and work it out. Eh? Yeah, for sure. But we'll talk before then. But, yes, for sure, definitely. I have access to places up the river you would you could only dream of. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. Well, well I think we'll have to work on something then. Yeah, we will. But sure. once again, thank you for coming on The Crunch. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Cam. I really enjoy talking with Rachel, and I'm especially impressed that she's into falconry. And I'm going to definitely take up her offer to go and visit and learn all about it. Her take on the election was fascinating from someone who was formerly a Labour Party candidate who now voted New Zealand first. Don't forget to send comments on Rachel's interview to inbox at realitycheck.radio or text to 2057. This is The Crunch with Cam Slater. Conversations with a side of controversy right here on RCR.